Yeah. Yes, but I agree with the senses. Suddenly you can see and hear and yes. feel yes. everything around you. It's like, oh, here I am in the universe. <laughs> and, you know, we just, you know, I just came back from Howling Horn, as you all know. And I go, I'm like, I pay for fear, so I must be crazy. But <laughs> I think as writers, as creatives, you know, whether you're writers, artists, like we are, creative individuals, we each, each of us has something that excites us. So people pay for fear, they enjoy their fear, or they escape it, fight or flight, right? Mm-hmm. And so as writers, however, uh, many folks often ask me, especially those who are interested in starting to write horror assistant, they're always asking me, well, how do I start this? Because is there one set way to do this? And in truth, uh, at least for me, I don't think so. What do, you, what do you all think? When it comes to just being creative, how are you creative? And let's not just about fear, just being creative first. How does your creation come to you? Well, I think a lot of the times necessity mm-hmm. creates creativity. Yep. Either you're trying to solve a problem or you're trying to, um, to try a different approach to something and that makes you think creatively and come up with other options. That's a very good one. No, and I, yeah. I think that creativity, you can draw creativity from almost anything. Yeah. If you just look outside the box, mm-hmm. right? So you can be creative about anything. And there's a lot going on in the world around us that, all we have to do is check out our surroundings and something, if you have a creative mind, something should start creeping in there. And it happens at the strangest times. Do you agree? Yes. Like sometimes it goes with the sassy. Like we all, I have to share this to listeners, you know, so we had a, I had a Halloween party last night and the tabs just were here at my house 40 hours prior to that. They were here and I came home. Everything's all decorated. I was so grateful. <laughs> you know, and, and they helped my better half and father-in-law get this, make this happen. But, it was your creative, it goes back to what you said, Chris, the need. You know, we need to get this done. And then you said, what do we have? Somehow we know how to survey the resources and we make it happen, right? And so I'm very grateful that you were able to help me with that. But then not everybody can do that. So was this always part of who you are, being creative? I think so. I think even from being a child, I was always creative. But I'm also a logical thinker, but that creativity... Yeah, always yeah. helped me, yeah. yeah, fulfill that need, you know, of, of creativity. Mm. So, yeah, and I'm just somebody who doesn't like the status quo. <laughs> so I like, I don't like the, I like going away from what people consider to be. All right, this is what's normal. No, well, <laughs> not, you know, not you know, I'll pass a thousand paintings <laughs> of fruits and baskets and pay zero attention to them. But if there's something that's eye popping or something like that. Uh, or invokes any type of emotion or creativity, then that's what I'm going to be looking at. Mm, so I guess it. for me, it's more of a need of not being within the what people consider to be the norm. It's funny you would say that because some of the times when we're being creative, it whether it happens intentionally or not, the fact is you have to seize the moment because out of sight, out of mind, and it's right. gone. And many folks this year for Halloween, I've seen some incredible things for creations this year. And one of the biggest reviews I saw that I feel that Halloween brought for 2019, and you can share your comments on this if you wish, is that it was definitely retrospect in retrospect to the past. We did a lot of, you know, the, the 2020 is upon us. The 80s is now almost 40 years ago. And wow. so here we are. That's scary, right? That is scary. So therefore, there's all this paying homage to the past. 
You know, we see that in American Horror Story. Yeah. We're seeing that in some of the stories, the movies that are coming out now. Nothing's really new. It's a rehash or yeah. a reintroduction of a past topic to a new generation, would you say? Yeah. What do you think of that? Well, it's funny because I wonder, I agree with you. Many shows, many movies are mm-hmm. either a recreation, a redo of something. And I wonder if it's a, a, if it's a feeling of wanting to get it right the second time or even a lack of creativity where it's just, oh, let's do this again. Right. So I wonder, because I, we do get that a lot in pretty much in everything we're doing today. It's, it's pretty, with all, the, with all the technology and everything, we're really going backwards in um, a lot of thoughts when it comes to the creativity true. component. It's true. And when it comes to, true. to the scare factor, if you look at the films, particularly in the 80s mm-hmm. when it came out, I mean, those movies still, without CGI and all that, they still kind of, you know, Lasted for the test of time, right? So in the eighties, you have your, you have your Friday the Thirteenth, mm-hmm. you have your, mm-hmm. you know, a Nightmare on Elm Street, and all these movies are now they're cult classics, right? So I don't feel like anything that is I'm not saying that it's not movies aren't well produced and they don't have a scare factor. I just feel that it's original the first time it's done. After that, you know, if it's a movie that has yeah. ten sequels to it, or I mean, it starts losing some of that originality component. Uh, Friday night, I got the pleasure, actually Thursday night, when I arrived home, I had, I didn't have to be out late, and I just wanted to just watch some old movies, mm-hmm. so I turned it, I tuned into um, AMC, AMC had, I mean, AMC's been doing it, I thought Sci-Fi would do it this year, Sci-Fi, you, I don't know what was going on this year, but AMC was giving me a taste of the nostalgia, the past, so there was all, the original Halloween was on, right. and I remember, and I was sitting there watching it, and I thought to myself, yeah, some of the moments were cheesy here and there, but there was still a scare element that I thought was noteworthy that I feel that American Horror Story is capturing in a, a different way. Yeah. You know, it's paying homage to it, but it's also taking the Friday the 13th and all those other slashers to another level because mm-hmm. it's also bringing these, these psychological, if not magical realism elements. The real and the living, the dead, they mingle, but I don't know why they're mingling. There's this time travel back and forth. There are so all these tropes and sub and, and subgenres that are all now being mixed, but nothing's still new. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with it, but it's just different. Does that make sense? Whereas our younger generations, this is the first time you're seeing these things. And so they may think, oh my gosh, this is amazing. But they also have access 24 hours to the internet to see what's out there. So it doesn't right. take long to look, but then if you don't know what's out there to look for, then you never know it existed. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. And so there are a couple of you are sending in questions, and I see a couple, there were a couple. My inbox has suddenly crashed for some reason, so we'll have to deal with that shortly. So as we are chatting here live, and those of you who are not calling at 347-539-5372, you are, however, sending emails in, because I did see one in particular that came in right after the show started. I want to throw out a question that Johnny from Milwaukee asked for us, of us folks. What is the scariest story you've ever read? Huh. Oh, wow. Um, I had to think on that one, because I'm thinking. I don't think, I'm not one to read scary stories. Mm -hmm. So I don't think I recall really reading Mm -hmm. anything that was scary in that. Hmm. I don't know, it's not my Mm go-to. Mine was actually historical. And it was the story of uh, of Vlad the Impaler. Yes. And the fact that this, you know, 
the things that he did, the atrocities that he did. Well, atrocities, depending where in Europe you're asking people, they're atrocities nonetheless. Um, when you read his pattern and his uh, story, which I did in a few books, um, that to me actually struck a chord of, you know, this is scary because I know that this happened. This person right. was real. This person yeah. was real. Right. <laughs> right. That's a, yeah. And I'll throw one in. I love Vladimir D. Taylor. I'll throw in Edward Gain as another. Okay. So Edward Gain, I don't know if you all know who he is. He's the guy who, um, when he was very young, he was a serial killer. And he was, when he was young, he was abused physically and, and, and psychologically by his mother. And as he became of age, he became very fascinated with middle-aged white women. And so he began to lure these women, and then he would murder them. And then as he would murder them, he would do all kinds of uncanny things to their bodies. He would take their, their parts, he would take their skin and make it into leather. He would wear their as garments, hence why we have Leatherface from the movie Texas Chainsaw. He's, he's, he's actually, uh, this movie itself, the storyline is not about Edward Game, but the things he did with this flesh, it are. Um, the other is he would dress as women in women's clothing, and he would run around the house, the neighborhood, and some of the neighbors would, would cite him doing these things. Hence, why we have Psycho, and Psycho. And so his fixation on middle-aged white women was very popular. He was a very real, very not well man. And so those things scare me more because you know I always say that it's not the dead that scares us. It's a living. <laughs> it's like, you don't love my neighbors, but you never know what's going on next door. And I can understand why some people stay in their lane. We agree. Yeah. And sometimes before, yeah, we all grew up in a time when it was okay to know your neighbor. And you probably know and have affiliations and family, have some extended relationship with them. But today, it's, it's scary to know because that might invite things. And that, to me, is scary. So you don't even have to read it. You just live it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, Johnny, we appreciate that question because it definitely made us think. Mm-hmm. Um, one other one I thought out, I love Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. I, I love him. In fact, he's right on the shelf right behind me somewhere, which I need to pull off for school this week. He and H.P. Lovecraft are my favorites. Uh, I'd be remiss not to. I mean, there's so many favorites that I have. Stephen King, he's coming out with Dr. Sleep. You know, many of you are probably wa- um, watching the trailers for it's a great novel I'm hearing. I haven't read it yet, but I need to read the novel before I see this movie. At least I'll try to, if time permits. But these are some great examples of folks out there. And I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention one more, um, the Goosebumps series. I was there in college when these came out, but I was still interested to read them. Yeah. But R.L. Stein actually wrote an adult book. It's actually in my library here, in my studio here, called Superstition. It was his only adult novel. And I think because I was so used to Goosebumps, it didn't live up to what I wanted. So I was kind of like self-cheated. But I'm very grateful he tried to attract an adult audience. So thank you for that. And so I see that we have another question that came in a little earlier. Tyler from Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Ohio. Thanks for listening, Tyler. Here's the question, team. Of all the scary or um, scary or horror authors to live, which one is your favorite? And which one is your least favorite? So... I enjoy some Stephen King novels. Mm-hmm. However, I always feel that the no, usually the books are significantly better than the movies. And I feel that, as for example, with the It movies, I feel that they're better than the books. Um, so I know Stephen King is obviously 
Stephen King, but I like the movies more than his novels. Mm-hmm. I read quite a few of his novels. Mm-hmm. Very creative, very well written, obviously, but not a, a complete fan of all of his work. Got it. Me yeah. too. Like, I remember the movie um, Needful Things. Mm-hmm. Uh, not Needful Things. It's the one with the devil that comes yes. to town. Mm-hmm. And so the devil comes to a town. And I, the book was so well written, but when I read saw the movie, I was kind of like, meh. You know, right, I just felt like right. it was, and I don't think as Stephen King, please, by all means, please, if you're listening, we, we love you. So please, please love me. Love, love us. Love and us. The love us. And we, the inspiration. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for saving me. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, so I'll mix it up a bit. So, but I will say, though, Doctor Sleep, I feel, will be going to be cool because yeah. it's, it's adding, you know, the little boy that was in the movie, uh, The Shining, now he's an adult. And it gives his point of view. And he's seen things. He's revisiting the location. Now, what people don't know, though, is that Stephen King actually, he got the idea for that while visiting a ski lodge. And he was walking around and moping in the halls, and that place was very populated. So I, I wonder what would happen if I wrote a, you know, if something scary happened here. You know, an innkeeper or a caretaker of an old ski lodge. And Creativity in random places. There it is, okay. <laughs> and I never, ever see, you know, the palindrome that he writes in the world, you know, red drum, murder. Like, that was so well done. That to this day, we all are creeped out if you were a kid of the 80s. A third question comes in from Dina from Miami. Hello, Dina. Welcome and thank you for listening in our own hometown. So, team, how do you start your scary stories or do you still write stories like those? That's a good question. I'm not writing scary stuff right now. And Chris, you would say the same, right? Uh, Yeah, no, I'm not one to write scary stories, but... I think, you know, I guess in the same thing, I would go back to what I saw as a child and what I think would make me scared as a child. That's probably where I would go, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, mm. you know that's, I think that's what frightens most of us, you know, the things that we thought went bump in the night as, as a child, right? What was one of yours, Chris? I'm curious. One <laughs> um, <laughs> of my scary, well, yeah, I mean, I guess most kids, that. It goes back again to like those senses at night, you're sleeping mm-hmm. or trying to go to sleep, and there's that scratch on the window, there's that, you know, which is probably easily explained, but you, you know, your your imagination runs away with you. And I, and I think that was one of my biggest things as a child. Um, the dark. The dark, yeah. yeah. The dark. Yeah, the dark. That bothers me. That bothered me as a child, too. Like my cousin, Sean, and I grew up with my grandparents, and we would sleep in the family room, not in our own room. So like over like seven and eight, we're in this little period where we need to be in the same room together. But yeah, then I thought about it. Wait a minute, now we're in a bigger open room in the family room. <laughs> what are we doing? Like, <laughs> so it was one. And do you know what changed it? I gotta tell you what changed us for for the moment. I woke up one morning. I went to leave the restroom and a roach fell on my shirt. I know. <laughs> and it ran out. I was like, I'm never sleeping in this family room on the floor again. <laughs> like that, that moment, I slept in my bed. Like that changed. So you have to have a different scare. Exactly. To your previous we're scare. Now, exactly. <laughs> now we're not introduced a new scare, right? I think the cockroach was more scared of you because I ran out the room this day. <laughs> so it is possible you frightened the cockroach and not the other way uh, around. How about thinking yeah. that boogeyman is under the bed and he's going to grab you in your sleep? Don't let the, bank, the blanket touch the floor. Yeah. <laughs> or... We couldn't sleep with our doors um, closed. So, 
And I don't know, and I'll be honest, I don't know why I thought that was okay. Because I always thought if I had to do it, if I was safe, then I mean, whatever was in my room would get me. <laughs> so that was okay. So I think the question that Dina asked is how you start with scary stories. I'll, I'll, you know, Dina, you want to say something? I'm yeah. sorry. No, no, I've been working, well, you know me, my brain is all over the place. I'm always doing side projects. So I've been working on one novel, one mystery novel for a while. But I will tell you that in places that I've gone to, I think of, for writing aspects, right, for writing purposes, I think of places I've been to and what would make this particular place scarier or creepier, not even scary, just creepier, and then I would write along those lines. So for mm. somebody that's trying to write, I would say something along those lines. Think of things, places you have gone. Um, if you stayed in a cabin in Tennessee mm. and it was a great experience for you, fantastic. What would you do to make that experience a little creepier in your writing? And maybe that might be a good starting point for them. That's a very good point. And I'll use our own setting. We're all educators as well. And we're at school during the day where there's activity. But have you been at your school or your classroom after hours mm-hmm. at night? You know, schools are pretty creepy. creepy. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. And I started thinking the other day, and it doesn't help in my own building. It's a, it's a lead building, so the lights and the power are all very sensitive for energy conservation. And the lights go out in my suite if there's no activity in the hallway. So I noticed all of a sudden the census, it's totally dark, and it's getting darker earlier now. And I was at the office late the other day, and I'm like, oh, snap. I'm really alone. Like, all of a sudden, then it's back to what we said earlier. I'm very acute to my senses. And so as a result, yes, what you said is true. Like, take into your environment. We all have places, whether they are unoccupied in the dark or in the bright day. There are options for scare. And I also say you always have to start from what you know. Do you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Start from what you know and, and take it from there. But then if it's too fearful, just project it on somebody else. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm scared. No, you know what? Now Chris is in this story. Right. Right. <laughs> I'll save you. I'll save Exactly. Exactly, indeed. You know, there's one thing that I noticed this Halloween. So we, we've seen some very interesting costume options this mm-hmm. year. And the one thing that I felt that thought was really neat this class this year, you know, there's always a different genre. So you get your classics, your Draculas and all that. But I think the classics today are no longer just that. Those are like retro classics. The classics now, what is the classic costume today? Like, what is the classic? Because classic is no longer, I mean, I think if you look at it as characters, then you could say that's classic. Like, there will always be Dracula. Right. But I don't see a lot of people going as Dracula. At least yeah. I didn't see it. Zombies come and go. Witches. But now they become other entities or they benefit in a new form. What do you think? Well, I think it goes back to, again, those flasher films. I think yeah. that's what we're seeing more and more. Re- bringing back all those characters, the Freddy, the Jason. I, I think that that has somewhat become the classic costume and now with the reinvented um, new scary characters that are coming out they're kind of merging them together yeah the the one character i feel is kind of <clears throat> kind of been diminished through the past through the few past few years as far as costume purposes is uh werewolves oh, how often do you see people dress as werewolves that is, and that, so is a classic, that is those are classic movies you know the Werewolves, you know, how you Maybe that's the Miami thing. It might be very hot to wear uh, werewolves. Yeah, but in Miami, it could be 90 degrees outside. You still have people that want to be fashionistas and wear sweaters. So, 
<laughs> when, when, when it's 75 degrees outside, okay? Yeah. Say it again, my brother. <laughs> it's true. It's no, like, but it's true. You don't see werewolves anymore. I don't see werewolves. Even with the, with the Twilight uh, craze that we had. Yeah, what happened to them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even with that, everybody went vampire with costumes versus... Like Frankenstein. You don't see a Frankenstein anymore. Frankenstein is a classic character, but not... But people don't really... Where or the bride costumes or the bride or the bride or the bride and you know what's funny I always felt I never could be Frankenstein because I'm short <laughs> so I felt that was out I felt like there's certain caricatures that could only be based on my personality it's not my physical composition so I would could never be a, 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 a vampire I was with you on the hot thing about the werewolf I just think it looked painful the movie didn't help. It looked like it was painful to become one of them it just didn't feel right like so I said oh that looks I don't know that's cool. Witches have always excited me. I've always loved you know, witches. I've always loved witches. And even, you know, and in my studying of the occult, I'm very fascinated with the, you know, the nature of Wiccan, the Wiccan nature and the, 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 the practice, the belief. It's, it, I'm not a Wiccan, but I'm always open to all beliefs. Right. So I was very fascinated how much of it actually pertains to nature, you know, than the more Satanism yeah. that, you know, some out there. But there are those groups that do, but many are not. And so... I find that very interesting. I see also that we have some people online. We got some folks on the air listening. So I'm assuming if you're listening, and if you are listening, by the way, we're already almost a half hour in, folks, and I forgot to give the call numbers. So if at any time you'd like to speak to us live during this podcast, you can call 347-539-5372. Again, that's 347-539-5372. And if you're shy, you can still inbox me with your questions, comments, or requests um, of, at, Billy, at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Again, that's everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. And I'm going to actually take question number four from Myra, who's right here in Miami. Myra, thanks for listening. She says, I love all things Halloween, but my family isn't into it. Okay. They don't even like to watch scary movies. How do you balance the differences? What do you recommend? Well, I think that Halloween, I, I agree. Many people take it to the scary yeah. part of it. But it's about fantasy. It's about dressing up. It's about getting to be something that you would never get to be on any other day. So if that means a, a favorite character from a show or a movie that has nothing to do with being right. scary, right. that's an opportunity to do that and dress up and just have fun with it. So it's really on the choice that you take it. As a child, I wasn't allowed to dress up in any scary costume. Everything had to be something either princess-oriented or something like that. So it's really on your take, and you don't have to fall into the scary category. And also, I think that – so there's a misconception towards Halloween from the commercial aspect to what the actual history of Halloween is. If people – you know, knew the history, and people would say, well, I don't want to partake because I'm religious. Well, Halloween started as a religious holiday. It's the 31st, which is the day before All Saints, All Saints Day, right? Which is the 1st of November. So I think that if people, sometimes people just automatically assume, well, somebody's wearing a, a scary mask, it's Satanism. It's absolutely not. not sometimes it's just, it's just for fun, or it's just funny. I mean, people go to a masquerade ball, and if you're willing to dress up for that, then I don't necessarily think you have to dress up as something scary. Yes, and, and I appreciate your saying that. You know, you made me think of something. Um, the other day, I was talking to 
the mind. I said, well, you said, well, my family doesn't celebrate Halloween, you know, but I like it, Dr. Jones, because it's one of those things. It's, it's like what you said, Chris. Just enjoy yourself, right? Did right name as well? Mm-hmm. Then just enjoy yourself and celebrate the moment. And it's also it gives you something to look forward to. You know, I'm not a bad person. I don't like to go slap. I'm not killing anyone. Nope. <laughs> but I like to be very strange. If you go to my social media or any of our social media, by the way, yeah. you should check us out on Instagram. We'll put, we'll give you that information at the end. But if you go there, you'll see some of the things I like to do. And that's only for that one day. But it also stems from my own childhood. My grandmother loves horror films. To this day, she watches them. My mom loves horror scary movies. And they would take us religiously, me at least, to see them, my grandmother used to read Stephen King novels. I started reading scary movies. My first books were all scary. And then I started reading the novels she read. And I was okay with it. So, and to this day, we'll talk about things. Like, she was talking. She's 78 years old, my grandmother. And she'll watch American Horror Story without a problem. Mm. And so, I think that this is fascinating. It all does come with your upbringing as well in terms of, or your belief systems, whatever those things are. But whatever makes you, and as you grow, develops you as you celebrate Halloween. And I say to you, Myra, our last comment to you, you know, if it, as long as it's not hurt anyone and it's not impacting relationships with people, have fun. Yeah. Have fun. Right. Yeah. You know? If you can decorate your office at work or your, your personal area, enjoy it. Go for it. You know, at the college, at my college, they had an office decorating contest just in the very, I mean, they do it at every campus. I'm like, this is so cool. I've never worked anywhere at a college that allows this. So there is clearly a generational change. It's not. Because um, Halloween now, my understanding in America, has become the third highest grossing holiday in America. Mother's Day is still number one, actually, surprisingly. And Christmas is number two. And so, because people are now gifting in different ways. You know, like, even when we give, I always say when we're gifting, we gift year-long. We do it for each other. Right. And so when it comes to the holidays, it's just a lot of fun. The cheesy fun of gifting mm-hmm. is fun for, for many of us. But um, Halloween is another holiday. And listen, life is too short. Celebrate. Yeah. Yeah. Celebrate, Myra. We're on question number five. Tim from ATL, Georgia. Hello, Tim, and thanks for listening. And he asks, what does the future the future of horror films look like to you to you all? Mm. What does it look like? Hmm. Well, that's a good question. I think yeah. that so there's been series that have come out, I think, in the last fifteen to twenty years that I feel have not been as scary. But they still have a particular following. The screen movies, I don't particularly find them scary. At all. I've never been a fan of the Saw movies. I don't find them scary. I just find them gory, so I'm not a fan of those. But I think that um, there are certain shows, the the Adventures of Sabrina the Teenage Witch on Netflix, Mm -hmm. has done very, very well. Mm -hmm. There's a creepy uh, factor to it. I think that if people can maybe move and film directors, writers obviously can move in the direction of what can we give that is new, not a doll that sits in a corner and may or may not randomly move, not, you know, somebody (laughs) creepy in the woods, just something different. And I think people will be drawn to the different, you know, so I'm hoping that the future of horror movies is not, we're just going to, you know, put in a ton of gore. Uh, there's a movie that came out a few years ago that I thought was fantastic, and not because it was particularly scary, but because I felt it was original but creepy. It was called The Witch. Yes, um, yes. That was and really I good. obviously only recommend that for people who have, you know, first of all, 
I would say if you're an adult in your late 20s, just if you want to watch that, you know, because it does have a, a high creep factor, but not gory, mm-hmm. but kind of scary. But I felt it was original. So was I, I'm original. hoping that those horror movies in the future move more towards originality and not remakes or, you know, I mean, there's there's Leprechaun in Las Vegas, for God's sakes. <laughs> I mean, really, this, you know, Leprechaun in space. When in the hood. Stop? <laughs> Leprechaun in the hood. When is it going to stop? You know? I think that, um, and I, in terms of what you're saying, intellectual, like scaring you intellectually. Yeah. Because it's uh, that, like, it's what your mind is thinking, and, and that happened in that movie with the witch, uh, the witch, that it was exactly that. You really didn't know what was going on, and it's about making you think and process. Similar to the way that, um, that what am I thinking? I'm sorry. Um, like mysteries. Where yeah. There's that component, but just throwing in that scary aspect of you don't really know what's happening. I like that. Um, and, and I agree with that, Chris. And, and also third, I remember a couple of years ago, there was a movie called, I think it was called The Belmont Experiment, where these people are at work. And all of a sudden, they are told, oh, the, the building starts to lock down. And then it says, and a voice comes on, kind of like a saw. In the next uh, few hours, there are 100 of you. 20 of you will die in the next 20 hours. And each of the individuals had something planted inside of them, so people's heads was, I mean, it was crazy. So I thought, okay, this is cool, but it was still Saw-like. But then it was cool because what is a scary idea than to be trapped at work? Like, 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 no, you know, seriously, because when you're at work, I mean, I would say that didn't come out right, but the point is, it's just, no, but children, children are scary. You know, with so many things going on in our world, we're working in public domain, and so... There's so many things going on in public shootings and things like that. So that's scary, yeah. right? Right, yeah. But we're talking, like, think of other folks who are not in school settings where they think that their safety, I mean, you go to work and you go home or at least hope to leave and return home the way you arrived, right? And so that's scary. And so there are some Garcia brothers, by the way. The Garcia brothers, my colleague who works at, Bar- at Miami Day College, um, Alberto Mesa, his sons are really making waves. I saw you in GQ Magazine. They're mm-hmm. called the Garcia brothers. And they are um, making some scary films that are now based in Homestead and really drawn off of the Latinx um, experience as it pertains to horror in South Florida. That's different. And and that's interesting, right? We love, you know, looking forward to seeing what comes out of that. For writers, I will tell you there's some new things that are coming out for some interesting writers as well. Like I remember years ago, Octavia Butler existed and and she's, she's she's rest in peace, Octavia. She passed in 2006. She's a sci-fi writer, but she creates these beings that are superhuman, but their storylines are based in Africa. And some of them, one of them, I can't remember, one of them was called The Kindred, and they could, or uh, you couldn't, The Parable of the Sword was another one. They could not die, and you could live on, but your lineage that you can continue to create never dies. And so finally, one of the beings in her story says, you know what? I'm just going to not repair myself and try to slowly kill myself. And as they start doing that, the way she writes and describes the composition scientifically, it was so well done. But just as she's about to take that, you know, off the precipice of life, one of her own beings meets her in another part of the world. So she repairs herself and returns only to the purgatory of living. That was different. So that was very different. Now to introduce that to an audience, that's tough. 
you got to be, like you said, Chris, um, the whole idea of intellectualism. Because that takes some smart and understanding as an audience and patience. Everybody wants to be edutained. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, if it's not happening right now and I know what's going on, no, just wait. Use some critical thinking and thought and let it, un- let it unfold. No, not everything has to be shown to us. Right. Do you agree? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we thank you for that question, Tim. Our next question is from Craig from New York City, New York. What are some tips you can provide to others about writing horror suspense or being creative? Um, I know we mentioned about the, the whole environment, taking your environment mm-hmm. and personal experiences uh, as well. But I think that somebody who is, you were, to your point that you were just speaking of, mm-hmm. allow the process to unroll itself. Mm-hmm. And it is okay to build suspense. I feel a lot of times um, good horror writers can build suspense. Bad horror writers cannot. Mm-hmm. So you want to, obviously, you want to hook the audience. You want the audience to feel intrigued. They don't need the mystery in chapter one. They just need the buildup. They need to get familiar with the characters. They need to, and then have things slowly build just so that the reader is engaged enough to say, I want to keep reading to see where this is going and then take it somewhere where they don't expect complete. Mm, you know, right. and I think that would be, you know, think of if you're writing um, horror, think of what everybody would expect you to, or what would expect them, to, the characters to happen next and then go in the complete opposite direction. Mm, that's really good advice. I think characterization is key. You know, when we're developing characters, you got to develop people who are, even if they're, their fantasy, they're, they're, they're unreal. There needs to be credibility to their character. So when, we, when you're developing characters, one of the things I see with beginning writers, people don't always just do, say things, they do things. So signs of nervousness or, 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 or recklessness. Some folks may bite their nails, for instance. Mm-hmm. They may tap their finger, tap their foot. All those little, little, little um, pieces and nuances that come with people's behaviors and characters need to be embedded within the fabric of your character, you know? Right. Or the fact that maybe they choose certain colors to wear on certain days of the week. What time of day? Maybe they function best or when it's a dark day, they have a dark spirit. So all those things mm-hmm. help develop and it gives the backstory, like what you were saying. I also feel too that we need to be aware that characters need to be um how do I say this? Relatable. Okay, yeah, they can do all these other things, but if I can't relate in some way, mm-hmm. this is not going to work. Right. I mean, that strikes interest. Well, from a tip perspective, I would say if an idea comes to you, write it down, write it down, write it down. I know that's how I like to work whenever I'm anything creative. I might not be in the precise moment to be able to elaborate on that topic um, when I'm when something when an idea strikes. So I write it down so that I can go back and revisit. And of course, I'm always very observant of my surroundings and paying attention to the little tiny details of, you know, somebody clearing their throat yeah. as they're about to speak or those little things that make somebody come alive. That's a very good point. And the final part, dialogue. When you're creating dialogue, dialogue shouldn't be very cookie cutter or stilted like a robot at your characters because not everybody speaks in complete sentences all the time. Correct. And so, but there are times you need to give complete dialogue in order to convey the complete message, especially if the narration doesn't carry it. Yeah. So it's a tough place sometimes to play with dialogue. I'm reading some short stories right now in my classes for creative writing, and the stories, and the students are doing what are called what is called weird fiction. 
I'm giving them certain scenario and I'm asking them and, and I get on the scene and they have to magnify the moment for that scene. The entire storyline of their short story, 2,000 words or fewer have to, have to revolve around that scene. And like one, one is a boy sitting at a bus stop. Go with it. And where it ends up, it doesn't matter, but the goal is, is that the bus stop, I never gave you time today. I never told who the boy was. The boy, all we know, could be looking innocent and be a little demon. Like, so they could take it in any way they want. Right. Or the boy at the bus stop could have just witnessed his most travesty, his greatest travesty of life, right. sitting at the bus stop. You know, so there are all these things that they can take on. And so I see there's a caller here. I want to see if I can get that person on air. Hello, caller. You're live on air with us here at DJ Speaks. And when I'm with the taxes. Hello. Um, I was just asking, what about um, short, scary stories? I could hear you. Can you repeat that again, please? What about um, short, scary stories? Like, how do those, you know, differ? Ah, thank you for that question. So the question is about, folks, what about short, scary stories? And so the one question that I, I think that's a great story. I, I write short story collections. And the first thing I say for any story is opening lines is essential. So when you're creating the first or opening lines of any story, whether it be a novel, movie, or short story, they need to be memorable or at least captivating in some way. So when you're writing a short story, short stories are tough for some because you got to chunk your experience. You have to recognize there is setting, plot, protagonist, antagonist, demnumal, climax, and resolution. All that has to happen in, in the context of a story. So you only have, most short stories average, what, 10, you know, fewer than maybe like 5,000, let's say 3,000 words. And so as a result, when you're creating short stories, make sure the point of view is very clear. From whose point of view is the story told? So you got to avoid what is called head hopping. So I can say, for instance, Chris sat waiting at the bus stop. As she sat, she thought about the times that she spent with her family that had long since passed. And then all of a sudden her phone rings and it's Nadine. Then Nadine hears her voice. She sounds sad and, for, and, 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 and morose. He wonders what's going on with his wife. See, I just head hopped. So I already had a great moment magnified about you, Chris. And what ended up happening is I shifted immediately to the point of view of Nadim, mm-hmm. and it wasn't about Nadim at that moment. Right. And so as a result, when you're creating short stories, and even if it, regardless of the genre, but especially with short stories, the point of view needs to be so evident. And if you want to change point of view of characters, it's okay to do so, but do so by scene, because the short stories have different scenes or settings. Do that in that aspect. If there's something going on, for instance, within... Um, a novel, you can do it by chapters, but the key is to avoid that head hopping. So that way, remember the reader's experience is very visual. So you got to make sure that he or she can grab and navigate your thought process to see the action unfold. And so head hopping is one of the most critical. So that means don't slow, and then one more piece, slow down your plot. It's not a race. <laughs> slow it down. So short stories, I've seen some short stories that have great individuals um, great actions happening, and there's rush, 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 but I got to know absolutely nothing of these characters. And so slow it down. Magnify the moment. Things can happen in time travel over a course of a few days. You can do it, but you still got to develop the essence of the people you're creating the stories behind. And so definitely for short stories, you got to slow it a bit. And one last thing, try to get into a writer's group. 
So many organizations and communities have writers and critique groups. It's great because even as an, as an, advanced, as an experienced writer as myself, I like to make sure that I'm in a community of other creatives so I'm able to get other perspectives. In that way, it helps avoid. And sometimes it's hard to avoid hit hopping. It happens a lot. It's one of the hardest things to teach. Thank you for that question. Any other feedback on that, or we're good with that? Well, also, don't feel that just because it's a short story that you cannot have buildup. Right. You can have buildup if done correctly. The, the difference is because it's a short story, you're not going to have as much buildup. But you can still have the buildup and the increase. Mm. And, and, you know, the Dean, you have a question. Okay. Another question came in for you just now. How do you incorporate um, horror into your artistry? Hmm. That's a good question. Because I've never seen his artistry as horror. Like, that's interesting. So, yeah, that's a good <clears> question. <throat> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, scary. No. <laughs> <clears throat> scary town. So, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, the, I think art, my art, like writing, has developed. Um, if somebody would ask me this question, seven years ago, I would tell them that I felt that there was a gothic element uh-huh. to the that. things that I would paint or that I would create, you know, that abstract contemporary stuff. That doesn't mean that it's, that it's not, horror still not present. For example, I, I did something this week and I posted it on social media mm-hmm. and it was graffiti-esque uh, painting on wood, but it was of a ghost Right, so there's still an, a horror element to it, and there's always times where I'm like, well, I want to do something. I mean, I did a series this year that had Elvira, Vampirella, and Melissa, ah, right. you know. So I did. So it's still there. It just may not be present in everything, in all the paintings I do, but it's definitely still in my mind, and I'll still say, hmm, I want this. It looks good, so I want it to be vibrant. But that gothic part of my brain is like but I want it to be kind of dark, you know? So it, it's still present. It just may not be present in every Got it. Oh, yeah. that's a great question. Thank you for that question. That was from Larry, by the way. And Larry, he actually has a part, too, because he actually asked me a question earlier, or us a question, and does horror, is, is horror here to stay in, in the artistry of writing or creativity? I think, hmm. back to what you said in the beginning, people pay, <clears throat> excuse me, people pay for fear, so or to yeah. get scared, I think that that will never ever go away. I mean, we all have fears. I mean, it's part of life. It is. It's a part of every day. And put it to your pen or your 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 craft. Mm-hmm. Like take those fears, but you gotta be in the right place to address it. <laughs> like the other day, I had a student. She was saying, "I want to do a research my my creative writing story on um, a time when a mother had her daughter taken away." I and she said, "Well, you know, because I just went through that." I said, "Whoa, wait a minute. You just went through that." Are you in the right season to address this? Right. This may be cathartic in the end, but right now, is it the time, the season? So you have to be in the right mindset, the right emotional sense and physical sense of yourself to be able to address that. Like, if not, it may not do the best, do you any good right. bringing it forward. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. You just have to know yourself. Simone, thank you for writing in earlier today. You asked us a question about music videos. So listen to this question. This is interesting. Music videos also embrace the idea of horror. Hmm. Mm-hmm. What artist do you think does this best, in your opinion? And, and it doesn't matter the generation of the artist. Thriller. 
One word. Uh, yeah. <laughs> One word. Exactly. Thriller. That creeps me out. No, I mean, it, even though now we, we see it in a different perspective, being, you know, adults from when the video actually originally came out. Um, but, yeah, Thriller. A very good example one. That's, that's an all-time <laughs> so, one. Yeah. It yeah, is. Timeless. And and it's and it's made a comeback. Yes, every has. so often. It has. You can play that song and you know kids will go and yes. start dancing the dance floor. And why is it that I know at the end of the song Vincent Price is every narrator narrator. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and it's called yeah. the cost for that. The midnight hours for that. And what's creepy is that both he and Michael Jackson are no longer among us. And yeah. yet, that creeps me out. Well, I think that. You know, not for all her songs, but if you look at some Lady Gaga music videos, uh, yeah. they have some <laughs> creepy elements to it, which I absolutely love and find fascinating. So for the, definitely Thriller, I think, takes takes the, the award for that. But um, for more recent Lady Gaga videos, yeah. music videos are, there's an element to them that you're like, um, kind of creepy, but I dig it. Yeah. Right? Or yeah. oddities. Uh, oddities, and I'm and like I'm, I'm so Thea. Yeah. yeah. Her videos are always odd. Yeah, yeah. they're very psychedelic and strange. Yes. yes. And I like it. Yes. Like you can watch it. I got one. It just hit me. Billie Eilish. Yes. Oh Absolutely. my god. I, I. Oh my goodness. Like the one that she had recently that she released a while ago that, with oh. the, the the angel wings that she's walking, and it looks, it is so strange. Mm-hmm. I can't even describe it right now. I'm trying to illustrate it in words, but I love it, and I love the message of her work. So the artistry now, the artists are really drawing in in these videos mm-hmm. and using their artistry to captivate us, and they are drawing on some of the tropes of horror to do so. Aesthetic X is one of yeah. those groups. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. And so it has just manifested into a new generation, I think, honestly. And that brings me to question number nine, Tomas from Miami. Hello, it's Tomas. And you asked a question that I that we've already kind of answered, but we could throw it out there. How do we celebrate Halloween? I love planning what my costume will be with months and months ahead. I mean, I'm already thinking of next year's ideas of potential <laughs> costumes. So I love that. Um, when it's school-related at school, we tend to do something that's in at the moment that's going to it's going to call the student's attention. So that's always fun. Ah, so it's two separate costumes then. Yes, I always have. Ah, yeah. that makes sense. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, huh. you know, obviously Halloween parties. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I enjoy about the season, right? So the pumpkin patches that you'll oh, find yeah. because it's the start of the fall. Even though here in Miami, I mean, <laughs> you say fall, but it's really like 150 degrees outside, <laughs> so it's not really fall. But um. I like seeing the pumpkin patches. I like seeing a lot more of those horror films on TV being played um, during this season. You know, mm-hmm. they do the 13 nights of Halloween. That's right. Like every year, tradition, every year we watch Hocus Pocus. Absolutely love that movie. You know, so. I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it? I haven't seen it this year. Oh, this year? Okay. oh yeah. I've seen Hocus Pocus. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. But I haven't seen it. Like, that's like that. My Charlie Brown. Oh, the great yeah, pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Pumpkin, yeah. Well, we're missing another one. There's another one we like to see this time of year. Well, anything with Adam's family. Adam's family. Anything with Adam's Elvira, shout out to Elvira. Oh, oh my gosh. Even, can I throw in a crazy one? Ernie. You know, Ernest Halloween. I like all this like campy stuff that I just feel is so nice. Or even, I would tell you another way, just sitting and watching, like we were doing it the other day, a week or two ago, the Food Wars. 
shows. Oh, I love all the shows. Yeah. Are they fun? Yeah. Like they just make me want to go make something. Or Betty, I want to eat something. I said, man. You. I see four pumpkin pies. You know, uh, that's the other thing. Everyone is always um, sending us apple pies, tapses. You know, sending in apple pies. You can buy lots of apple pies this time of year. So there's all these ways in which we celebrate, which I think makes sense, you know? And so I think you celebrate how you want to celebrate, um, Tomas. And the key is, it's nice when you do it with family and friends, when you have a lot of fun. But there are a few questions that came in that I wanted to throw in really fast. And because we're on our last eight minutes, this is from Vanessa Lee, folks, for you. Do the images and scary movies stay with you in your mind, or do you feel that because they are fantasies, they do not stay with you? Okay, so The Ring, when it originally came out, I've never seen it again. That movie, I still think that that girl is going to come to that TV and get me. <laughs> I, 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 I rest assured thinking that the TV is high up on the wall and she's going to fall. So, yes, I think it stays with me. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that, Vanessa? <laughs> so... <laughs> uh, I guess for me it would be the original It movie. Yeah. Um, I better not see any red balloons just hanging out. <laughs> lingering. Just, just lingering with nobody around holding them like that, you know, but things like that. I mean, really that movie It and, you know, I, I guess certain things from certain movies, but nothing to the effect that it bothers me. If anything, it's more reminiscent. Like, oh yeah, I remember uh, this. You know, not that I want to be walking down the street and see a clown just hanging out. For no apparent reason, you know. <laughs> Remember that side from a few years ago? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And you know, the other day I was just conducting a panel at Barrow College, and I there were these yellow and silver balloons that were just lingering in the room, and I noticed my colleagues who are all our generation were just sitting there looking, <laughs> were sitting there looking like, wait a minute, was this a sign? Am I being pranked right now? And so that brings us to the question from Norberto um, Spangaro. He asked, or actually, this question is from Karina. She's using, she's communicating through the Nobertos, you know. What's the scariest thing that's ever happened to you? Mm. Or, you know, or any ghost story, perhaps? Ghost stories. Um, well, I mean, I'm convinced, and it might sound kooky to some people, that when I was a child, I saw my grandfather's ghost. He never tried to harm me, never tried to do anything. He was having a drink, actually. Looked at me, kind of, you know, put up his glass took a swig and he disappeared. Whether that's a figment of my imagination as a child or it truly happened, I don't know. I was about five years old. He passed away when I was two. Wow. So, but it was a very crystal clear wow. image of him. Wow. So, I don't know. Wow. I, that's yeah. powerful. <laughs> For me, it was, uh, man, I had to have been maybe 19 at the time. We went with a group of friends and we went camping out in Big Cypress. National Park in the Everglades, really, literally, in the middle of nowhere. Um, and, you know, we were just hanging out, just having a good time, and it was nighttime, and I had a friend who thought he was, uh, you know, Mr. Outdoors. He wasn't, by the way. And uh, we said, he said, well, let's just take a walk, uh, take a walk through the woods. And I was game, you know, because you're young, you're not thinking. I was like, yeah, yeah, let's go, those four of us. And and we went, and as we're walking through the woods, um, we come to this path, and there was some older man who was in that path walking and walked right past us as if we didn't even exist. And so we're like, well, maybe we should turn around and go back where we came. And as we turned around, here comes this man again. Wow. Says, 
stops them. You guys need to be careful. There's a lot of strange things out here. And kept going. And I was like, yeah, we're leaving. So let's get in the car. Let's leave the tents. I don't care what we leave behind. We can go ahead and go. But uh, And then some other creepier things happened that night. So that was the last time I went camping. Oh, wow. That was a great story. Wow. Here's one more for you. Do you think that maybe the alien costume will be around a lot this year because of the Area 51 raid? Oh, my goodness. That's funny. We didn't see any aliens. No aliens at all. And, and all no, and now, and now, now that you mentioned that, I'm a little disappointed that I had it. I haven't seen, like, you They're know. They're still a week ahead of us. That's, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and you have one more. You know, you just gave your scary experience, but this is from, from San Jose. Jeez, wait, don't say. It says San Jose. Say email, please, or name. Is it Lucas for or Jelly, I'm trying to one of my students. Okay, so Lucas, I think your name is Lucas, okay? And he says, what have been your, you just kind of gave that, which is your scariest experience. Yeah, I don't want to yeah. disclose the rest of, of it. We don't have the time anyway. Well, you know, what, but you know, these questions were all very good. And this is obviously, obviously, you know, fans of the Hatches who always seem to bring the numbers to our, our show. We can't thank you enough for that because wasn't it fun? The hour flew a lot, and and I think what happens, what makes us realize is we enjoy, we we celebrate here. Halloween allows us to celebrate the oddities, the insecurities of things, or to at least shroud them, to mask them in a way that allows us to be something else. And so, in a way, it gives us a chance to be free, if only for a time. And like we said at the very beginning of the show, it's about our, you know, the paranormal hour originally started as a conversation only about literary perspectives, but it's now year four of this, and it's one of the most listened to shows of the year, and we did this as a surprise, folks, so we, we apologize for doing last minute, but you know, life happens, and we make it happen, and we're here, we love you, we thank you for listening, <laughs> but we also recognize we got to do more of this, right? Yeah. And so, as we're moving forward, I can't thank you enough for coming back. This is almost like your reunion show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a reunion show. But any parting words for our listeners before we head out? Oh, enjoy the rest of the week with all the fun <laughs> activities that lie ahead of. Yes. I, yes. I, I'm looking forward to yet another party next weekend, yes. mm-hmm. um, which is the great thing. And next year, Halloween is on a Saturday, so that'll be interesting. Oh, it that'll is. That'll be very, because it's sleepier. So. Ah, you hear that? Ah, that's a good one. And I just, you know, I want to say that it doesn't have to be Halloween time for you to enjoy the spooky if you enjoy the spooky. Yeah. If you enjoy a good scare, whether it's a movie, a book, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be Halloween time for you to enjoy it, right? You know, I'll say as a final thought on, on all of this, I think that at the end of the day, whether we are celebrating or not, whether it be our fears or our doubts about life, try to find something good in all this. Life is already very short, and there are enough true things to scare us or to keep us from enjoying it. Mm-hmm. So try to use this holiday or season as a means to just connect with the universe in some extraordinary, fun, creative way, and, and to chalk it off as memories, building good memories and good scaredom all the same. So we thank you so much for listening to this show. And you know what? We need to come back. Do you agree, folks? Can we do this? Absolutely. Can we do this again? Absolutely. You know, on other topics as well. I think having a tabs hour would be great. I feel like, <laughs> like seriously, like we're gonna talk about this offline. We need to talk about this because I really feel this would be a great opportunity for us. 
to have an hour, and we just focus on a variety of topics because Thanksgiving is coming mm-hmm. and all these other things. So let's see, in holidays, the winter holidays, there's stories for that. So let's see what we can do with that. We'll come back to you all. But for now, I thank you for listening to BJ Speaks, a paranormal hour with Nadine Tabs and Chris Tabs here on Everyday Folks Radio. The show will be archived within the next 24 hours via iTunes for those who would like to listen. Thank you and tune in again for another segment. Enjoy your day. <laughs> 